0: Welcome to the RunFit365 Podcast, Episode 2, Booyah! Hello, and thank you for joining us for the RunFit365 Podcast. I'm your host, Travis. We've got a great episode lined up here for episode two. We're going to interview the co-founder of RunFit365 and my business partner, Dan Cousin, and talk to him about why did he start RunFit365? What was the passion? What was the uh, motivation from his perspective to start RunFit365? I think you'll like hearing his story. Uh, Dan's very articulate and passionate about you know, living a healthy lifestyle, an active lifestyle, and I think you'll hear that in the interview with Dan. We're also going to put him on the spot and ask him the simple question, why do you run? And we talked about this in episode one and the power behind that simple question and really seeking to find out, you know, what motivates people to run. And I think you'll enjoy hearing Dan's story. We're also going to uh, do the random random runners world again. That's where we find just a random Runner's World magazine in in the library here, and we'll pick a magazine and we'll flip to a random page, and I'll ask Dan about that. And I think you'll really be impressed with um, how well Dan answers the uh, question in our segment around r- Random Runner's World. So stay tuned, and we're gonna jump right into the interview w- with Dan here. So thanks again for tuning in to the RunFit 365 podcast. And here's our interview with Dan Kusin, the co-founder of Runfit 365) All right, Dan, um, thanks for joining us today for the interview. Um, I say that like you're not a key player of RunFit 365, so pardon me for that. But um, in our first podcast, episode one, we had talked about, or I talked about, um, you know, why did we start RunFit 365 and a little background of that. And I don't know if I really reflected, um, you know, your reasons why. Um, from your perspective, why we started RunFit365. So as we go into episode two today, I wanted to get your thoughts and um, share with the listeners from your perspective. Um, talk to us a little bit about your view of RunFit365 and, you know, why did we start this thing?
1: Yeah, thanks, Travis. So um, I loved the first podcast. It was pretty awesome. The, the music is, uh, you know, I laugh every time I hear it. Um, <laughs> And, I, you know, you said in the first one that I'm not going to be at the world championships at Kona, and you're absolutely right. I would actually describe myself as an average, very average athlete. Um, and I didn't actually run any more than a mile prior to about 2005. I was not a runner at all. And, um, you know, I got a bug in me in 2005, decided um, just to go for it, and I, I signed up for a marathon and that was kind of a big step, probably not the smartest idea, and uh, went out and bought a book on, you know, how to train for a marathon, signed up for a, a marathon that, um pretty far from where I live, and that, you know, just sort of forced myself to do it, and uh, the cool thing was, you know, I, I followed a pretty cool book on learning to run a marathon, um, But the hard part is doing everything just right, and out of that, I actually got an injury during training, and um, so before I even went to the first marathon, I uh, my longest run was only ten miles, and I probably didn't train for the probably the five weeks prior to the marathon. But I said, you know what? I paid for it. Uh, We're gonna go. It was at Disney World, so my wife and I signed up for it, and darn it, we're gonna do it. So we went. I ran half of it, felt really good for uh, a fair amount of the first half, and went out way too fast, and by about the halfway point, I was totally fried, and uh, walked the rest of the half, or walked the the remaining half, and I, n- needless to say, couldn't really walk the next couple of days, and um, I pretty much thought I was done running, you know, that took all the fun out of it, but then I kind of investigated why... Why did I get injured? And what it boiled down to was um, you know, the book was great and everything, but it didn't give me all the information I needed. And um, so I, I learned a little bit more about running and just by researching it. And so that next spring, I did some 5Ks. And then uh, the cool thing was my brother in law, who's one of those more like you, Travis, a very natural athlete. Um, good genetics, good, uh, I'm not saying you don't train or anything. I would no. never say that Right. place nuts your face.
0: Yeah. You could say <laughs> it on a podcast though. And I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? Delete it. Right. Um, so he, he did triathlons and I thought, well, if I've done a marathon kind of, and I've done these five K's, I'll do a sprint triathlon. And so I did my first triathlon in, in 2006 and, uh, I fell in love with that. I mean, running is great. Um, But what I love about triathlon is, you know, you get the opportunity to train for three different sports, uh, takes the monotony out of it, and so that's kind of where I um, really started to focus. But um, having said that, I I do think running is uh, one of those things that anybody can do, anybody can learn, and you don't need a pool, you don't need a, a bike, you don't need a trainer, that sort of thing. And you can literally run, you know, if you've got shoes, you can run for free, so... Um, I, I think of the three sports, that's probably the, the one I focus on, uh, probably because it's, it's one of my, the weaker of the, two, of the three. Um, so anyways, you know, I started working on tries a little bit heavier, and um, I worked with a coach, and that coach gave me some great advice. And so I started to learn a little bit more about um, more practical things to apply towards my training, and I improved my my running, overall running um, you know, a 5k, for example, I cut off about two minutes per mile on a 5k, um, using his advice. And so I, I, I got really interested in, you know, that interaction and, and how, um, he was able to help me and he had the answers and if he didn't know the answers. He went and found the answers. And that was just really cool to me. Um, so, you know, at, at some point I said, you know, I've got to, I got to save my checkbook a little bit and, Work, work with a coach and, um, you know, looked for plans out there that were as good as a coach, um, or if not as good, maybe even better. And unfortunately I couldn't find anything. I mean, there's just nothing out there that, and maybe it's fair to say you can't replace a coach, um, by a piece of paper or a electronic plan, but I feel that you can come really close by giving good detail and that sort of a thing. So, um, that's kind of when you and I started having lunches together and I was starting to really think about this stuff. And, um, you, you motivated me like you do, um, to, to really go forward with this idea. And so that's when I decided to, to again, like the marathon, I just signed up for uh, USA triathlon coaching. And, um, I mean, that, that thing is very competitive to get into not in terms of, uh, experience, but, I mean, I went right online as soon as the enrollment opened, and um, I mean, I, I got into the class as like you know several hundred dollars, and then um, it was it was sold out within hours. So I felt really honored that I could uh, take part in that. I had some really good uh, coaching staff in that, like for example, Bobby McGee is a really good uh, running coach, and he he taught us um, right there at the at the course. So uh, between that. And studying for the exam for that, and really trying to digest everything they told us, which was a good start, um, I went out and bought you know tons of books, and I've gone out and researched all the white papers I can find and all the research I could do, um, plus the experience that I've learned just from being a very average athlete and um, you know learning from my own mistakes. And that's really, you know with, with your push to say, we need to put these things on paper. That's really where it started for me, um, trying to dissect it. And, and Travis will say, you know, you'll tell everybody that I don't let things go. And um, call myself very calculated, very scientific, um, but I like the art of it as well. So um, I,
0: think, I think in episode one, not that I'm, uh, you know – remembering this probably perfectly, but I think the term I used for you, Dan, was a perfectionist.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think by definition, that's probably true. And I wouldn't call that a good thing necessarily, but maybe in this realm it is. Yeah,
0: and I've used your plans, Dan, you know this several times in... Several, you know, our friends have used them, and without a doubt, they're they're some of the best on um, that that we've used before. But I wanted to check in on something I just noted down. I've heard your story before, um, but take us back to Disney World, and mm-hmm. so, so um, I know your family. But what was that like to be hobbling around in Disney World um, after your <laughs> marathon?
1: You know, it's funny because we planned the trip, and we had. You know, a couple of days in the park and then the marathon and then we had a couple of days after. Yeah. We really didn't have a clue what we were getting into. That's how naive we were and how inexperienced I was at the time. Um And so, you know, it literally took – i probably took me eight hours to finish that thing. I finished the first in, in no time and then walking and hobbling and stopping and, and it took forever to get through it. And so the next morning, I mean, I don't recall – um a worse pain <laughs> being able to stand up and then walk. And at, at the same time, my my wife had the same um, sort of look in her eyes and we decided at that point in time, there was no way we we're going to waste uh, a ticket in the park. So that's when we went to the, the hotel counter and said, is there any way we can extend this and, and keep <laughs> it going? So, you know, we, we spent a few extra dollars to keep those tickets and we just used them a couple of years ago. As a matter of fact,
0: that's perfect. Alyssa and I, um, one of our first marathons were the Disney marathons too, and I just remember thinking, at the time, you know, Disney is marketed as the happiest place on earth, and yeah. after these races there in Disney World, I've never seen so many people hobbling <laughs> through Magic Kingdom. Or I vividly remember um, Alyssa and I at Pleasure Island. There was a little nightclub or a dance club. We're like, yeah, let's go celebrate. Um, and I just remember me standing against a back wall holding that wall up all night and <laughs> watching <laughs> Alyssa in her high heels trying to dance after she um, oh, geez. ran her marathon. So yeah, good times in Disney World there for sure.
1: Um, well, you know, they do this, you, you get a, everybody that finishes gets a, a medal and I got a Mickey medal cause it was a marathon. I think if you do the half, it's like a Donald duck. Well, you can also, and those are, they're on different days. So there's like the, the half is on Saturday, the holes on the foals on Sunday yeah. and you you can do something called the goofy challenge, which, you know, they use the right Disney character for this because there are people and I, I talked to some of them cause you know, when you're on the bus and you're, you know, you see all these medals and some people had three um the donald the goofy and the and the mickey you're like you know what, what's what's up with that and the, some of these people were very average athletes so it, it really taught me you know as as unprepared as i was um it taught me that some very average people could really make it happen and uh they they did both races and and got those three medals
0: yeah that's uh that's beyond goofy if you ask me <laughs> yeah it's nuts yeah, yeah. Well, Dan, thanks for sharing your story um, around, you know, kind of what drives you and why run Fit 365. And there's no doubt that your passion comes through um, in the plans and in your blog post. I know people are reading, you know, are reading those and really enjoy those. And I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Um, But one of the segments that we've talked about Doing and I apologize. I know this is going to go against your perfectionist kind of mindset, <laughs> and and I'll be better in the future. Um, but one of the segments we've kind of committed to our listeners is um, just asking that simple question around why do you run? And um, I briefly talked about it in episode one, as far as kind of how you know over time my mindset around running shifted from being really competitive to. Um, really, more focusing on a healthy, active lifestyle that um, ultimately I hope to be around to see, you know, Olivia and Ryder's children's children, and, and be healthy enough to interact with them um, later in life. That's kind of what's driving my running now. But um, if I were to ask you that same question, you know, what, why do you run, or, or what drives you um, when you think of running?
1: Yeah, so, you know, thanks first of all for putting me on the spot. always appreciated. You're welcome. <laughs> I I think uh, you know, the generic answer is for health, but uh and that's kind of why I started it in the first place. But I remember very vividly after I'd been running for a while, um walking, I think it was after a 5K. It was one of those crazy 5Ks here in the Midwest when uh, you know, it's January. It's like 20 degrees. You're running up and down hills covered with ice and you know, as you're doing it, you're thinking, "Why am I doing this?" But at the end, you know, one, you feel there, there's just nothing like the accomplishment of finishing finishing your race, no matter what length, you know, no matter what your level is. There's just nothing like it, and it and it becomes sort of an addiction. Um, but I remember after this one race, walking back to the car with my brother-in-law, and I saw this this poor older person. I mean, probably 70s, 80s um walking with a walker or or cane or something um and obviously had some sort of uh physical sort of defect in their leg where it wasn't you know straight and it didn't look comfortable and and could move but didn't look like walking and i even i i told them i said this is why i run because um i can someday i won't be able to do it and like you say I, i like to be able to run with my daughter while she's playing soccer and that sort of thing um, as a matter of fact, right now, I injured my knee, not from training running, actually doing something stupid with Claire, my daughter. Were you getting um, off the couch or something like that? Uh, and it was probably, <laughs> I can't even remember now what I did, but it, it had been something really stupid. Yeah. But I can say when I'm not running, I don't feel as good. I don't feel, um, it, you know, running actually is a, a way to physiologically deal with stress, not just. Um, you know the mental aspect of things, but the the physical uh, changes in your body are um, actually real, and so it it helps you deal with stress. and And when I'm not running, not only don't I, do I not feel as good, I definitely don't deal with stress as well. I definitely don't feel as accomplished, and uh, you know. So I guess that's kind of it, but in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, that's that's great, and and something you said there um, just reminded me of kind of the. You know, being in that race environment, just signing up for a 5K and just observing people, you know, it's almost its own subculture of people. And everyone listening to this podcast right now can relate to this if you've been to a race before. um, Nowhere else in the universe can you go sign up and run with hundreds of runners. And make as many friends as your race – during your race. And you know what I'm talking about, Dan. It's like mm-hmm. when you're out there participating, you're all striving towards one goal, to get to the finish line. Um, and you're out there doing it You know, for a family member. You're doing it for a PR. You're doing it because it's your first race. And there's just a camaraderie there that happens during the race, and it's bizarre If you haven't experienced, and it's hard to kind of understand maybe what I'm saying if you've never raced before, but there's something there that just happens. It's almost like magic in some of these races where um, you you find a running partner for maybe just a small segment of the race, but you two encourage each other and support each other and after the race you find each other and you know you you might talk to each other um and, and i've got a few facebook friends because of that <laughs> you okay. know, that, that just you know people just you've <clears throat> shared a moment with them you've shared a memory that you know they'll always remember that one marathon that you ran and um at 20 miles you were struggling and um here comes a stranger out of nowhere that just gives you a boost and I don't know any kind of other sport or any other event that gives you that kind of, you know, feeling and encouragement that you feel during these races. But, um, yeah, that that, there's tons of different reasons to run, but thanks Dan for that, that story.
1: I want to say add on to what you just said. Matter of fact, what got me through that marathon was I, I was, I was literally stopping and just about ready to, you know, hit the wait for the bus and, uh, this uh, lady who was obviously having issues herself was like, nope, come on, come on, let's go. And, and so drag, pretty much dragged me kicking and st- screaming, but um, that did pull me through. And, and the other thing I want to say for those of you listening that haven't actually done a race or are thinking about or haven't done a lot of races, um, triathlon and running, it, if you've never done it before, I think one of the biggest fears you might have is, you know, I'm not gonna. I, I'm not a runner. I've never been a runner before, and you know, I'm not uh, one of them. And, and I'm gonna have issues when I, you know, go to the race, and all these people are gonna look at me funny. And that that's the furthest from the truth. I mean, really, first of all, if you're there, you are a runner, and then secondly, everybody is there um, from all different are- arenas. I mean, triathlon, all different shapes, sizes, ages. Same with running, and they're very supportive. Nobody looks at you any differently than they look at themselves. So um, there's no excuse for you not to go do it. Do it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm just going to close. And one of the things that we really want to do with this segment around what you know why why do you run that simple question. Um, please drop us an email at support s u p p o r t at runfit 365com Our vision with this segment is we just want to capture as many stories as we can, um, and we'll accommodate you anyway. So interact with us. We want to tell your story um, and share that with our listeners. But, um, Dan, thanks again for letting me put you on the spot, and thanks for sharing um, kind of your story behind (music) RunFit365. Alright, Dan, this is um, it's time for our favorite section of um, the Run Fit 365 podcast. This is the section we call Random Runner's World. We did this during episode one, and um, Alyssa and I definitely fumbled through it. So <laughs> I'm anticipating the same type of awkwardness. So let's see how this goes. Um, I picked up the Runner's World from June. Uh, 2014, and you know, on the the cover it says why the 5K um, totally fit, and it looks like Lauren Fleshman's on the cover here. Um, so I'm gonna flip through a page, uh, and let's just see <coughs> where we land. <laughs> and and I know you love being put on the spot, so let's just have fun with this. Um, oh, good. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this is one of my personal favorite sections of Runner's World, so we'll, I think we'll be okay here. This is under, um, you know, they have s- different headings. This is under the training heading, and it's called Ask the s- the Experts, and they, there's a series of questions here. I'm just going to pick the first one. Um, and for those of you that really want to know, this is on page 32 of June 2014, and it's um, a question around... What are some stretches that I can do outside to loosen up after a run? So I believe, Dan, these are questions submitted from readers of Runner's World um, and different editors um, attempt to answer them. I'm not going to read the answer. (laughs) Uh, I want to hear from Coach Kusin. Um, how would you respond to that question if someone were to ask that to you? What are some of the stretches I can do outside to loosen up after a run?
1: Yeah, so I wish I could read that right now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, interestingly enough, um, I think on our the last, uh, last one of these we did, I talked about my injury when I did a marathon, and um, I didn't know at the time why I had the injury, but as it turns out, it had to do everything to do with my, my stretching. And so um, I, I take this really seriously because stretching can be a, a great help. It could also basically put you out so you can't run. Um, and so my I guess my first advice is I would never, ever stretch on a cold muscle. And what I mean by that is I wouldn't stretch uh, before you do a, a fairly good warm-up. Um, and that was what I was doing. I was doing a lot of stretching before I ran, and, and my body took that for a while. Um, but after a while, it said no more, and I basically couldn't run for five weeks. And then I did the marathon and you know, listened to that podcast to hear the rest of that story. It wasn't a good one. Um, so first and foremost, I, I would always do a thorough warm-up before any kind of stretch. Um, for easy runs, um, you, you don't necessarily have to uh, do a warm-up or a stretch routine. Um, for an easy run sometimes, you know, like a um, a short three-miler that is an easy conversational pace, you can just kind of do a walk to uh, wherever you're going to start from and, um, you know, go from there. Um, any uh, higher-intensity workouts that you're going to do, I would do a, a fairly good warm-up, meaning—and uh, and let, me sh- let me kind of walk you through a little bit— um, and i know i realize i'm going through warm up and cool down but it's such an important concept i i want to do the whole thing um, so the way it's taught at least in usa triathlon and and i've done this myself it works very well and the science backs it up um there's google i'm not going to be able to to speak very well and describe for you but google the word neuromuscular warm up can you spell that for our listeners oh i can sure try I'm not uh, say, I'm <laughs> uh, i think it's n e u R O, muscular M U S C U L A R I think. Spelling um,
0: champion right there.
1: Yeah. Oh man, I'm not. That's not my strength. <laughs> um, and so the way you know, five to ten minutes of neuromuscular warm up, and, and a lot of people think this is fluff because it's very small movements, and really what it's there for is to warm up your brain. It's it's to um, that that electrical connection between your muscle and your brain. When you do neuromuscular warm-ups, you actually make that a more efficient pathway. It sounds kind of corny, but it actually does work. So the suggestion there is like five to ten minutes of that. Um, Think of, I think (laughs) when I was going through the training, they described it as the gym lights. You know, when you go to an old gym and you flip on the lights, you got all those um, lights that kind of start out really dim and then they get brighter as, as time goes by. Well. Um, when you do a neuromuscular warm up, you're you're making those lights um, brighter a little quicker, and so that's the first step. And the second step is a dynamic warm up, um, and in five to ten minutes of that. And, and I would Google dynamic warm up as well because I'm not going to be able to walk you through a lot of these either. But they're things like, um, you know, a swinging your leg front to back. Um, Doing sort of a marching, uh, you know, like a bring your knee up as you walk forward. And what these things do is instead of um, you know like a stretch where you're you're just sort of sitting there and then putting pressure on a, a muscle or a group of muscles, and you know you it feels good and all that stuff. But the dynamic warm up actually um, uses your your body's natural movements, uh, brings the blood flow to those muscles, and it helps uh, get them warm appropriately. Um, And so five to 10 minutes of that is is a a sufficient warm-up. And like I said, you could do a light stretching at that point in time. I would even um, maybe do five minutes of jogging before light stretching. Um, Or you don't have to do light stretching if it's a fairly easy workout. So then you do your training session, and then um, finally to the original question, the, the stretching at the end. And so again, I would use mostly dynamic stretching. Uh, and, and before I even get there, if you're finishing a session, you should walk around for a good five to 10 minutes. And the reason for that is, especially after a race, um, you know, sometimes you go to a race and especially in the hot races, you see people, you know, cross the finish line and they just stop or they lay down or whatever. That's a really bad idea because your blood, all the the arteries in your body um, have been supplying your muscles with. Uh, blood for, for all that time, and so they're dilated, they're expanded, and uh, if, you, if you know anything about pressure, like plumbing, um, if, if you have, like, if your heart's pumping really hard and, and it's good pressure and your arteries are wide and it's, it's serving the purpose, that's one thing, but if you lay down and your heart rate slows down and your arteries haven't quite, uh, you know, got constricted enough or, or gotten small enough to support that pressure, a lot of people pass out. So especially after a race, but even after a um, uh, somewhat hard set or even after an easy set, a good five to ten minutes of walking is probably your best bet. And then I would repeat the dynamic stretching before I do anything else. So more of those leg swings, um, more functional movement that in- includes uh, more than just one muscle um, or one uh, you know, limb. And then after the five to 10 minutes of dynamic stretching, I would probably do the, what I call the feel good stretch. So, you know, you, um, you pull your leg behind and it's just the typical stretches you do touch your toes. Um, those are going to, those are going to feel good. They're going to do a job and, and, um, you know, the elasticity of your, of your joints and your muscles and everything. Um, but I think it's more important to do the, the cool down and the dynamic stretching as opposed to those.
0: You just – I'll read you when you were going through that. I was looking at the response back, and you just owned Runner's World. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I actually took some notes, so thanks for that. Um, So uh, in their response back, they did talk about kind of the standing hamstring calf stretch. Um, and that's just basically where you put your right foot one step in front of, and you have your heel off the ground and toe pointed up the basic stretch that I think you talked about and then the standing quad stretch um, was something else that they mentioned so um, tons of great info there Dan about the um, active and dynamic stretching um, beforehand that was something that um, you know, in college, that was, you know, almost like a religion that, um, you know, we use those dynamic stretching um, techniques a lot. And um, I still use those today when I'm training. So, um, very, very good stuff. Um, and that went much smoother than our first random runner's world. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you got lucky this time. I wouldn't, uh, yeah. wouldn't bet on it any other time.
0: Yeah, well, that's um, that's great. We'll keep doing more and more of these. Um, I think we have a lot of fun with that, and um, we'll, we'll keep getting – and what you provided to the listener, that was really good stuff. Um, so um, stay tuned for more Random Runner's World. Well, that segment of Random Runner's World went much better than I anticipated. What seemed to be a very simple question uh, Dan knocked out of the park, what stretches can I do after a run? And and Dan provided some very good feedback and thoughts around why it's important to stretch and and, and things we should consider when stretching after a run. And, and it's important to note that that, um, you know, though though it was within the context of random runner's world. That's the type of um, you know, thoughtfulness and passion and energy that Dan puts into really everything he does. And you can see it all over RunFit365 and especially in the training plans that he's designed. So I hope in episode two that you've learned more about RunFit365. You got to know a little bit about Dan Kusen, the co-founder of RunFit365. And you also learned a little bit about stretching, Um, maybe some things that that we didn't think of um, before that random runner's world question around what should I be doing after a run and how should I best stretch. So that really brings us to a close for episode two of the Run Fit 365 podcast. But before we close, if you're interested in participating on the podcast or want to share your story with us, please don't forget to drop us an email at support at runfit365.com. You can check us out at runfit365.com. You know, we really want to use these podcasts to share your stories. So um, don't hesitate to reach out and connect with us. So until next time, happy training.